And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. And if you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Welcome back. Episode 194, I believe, of the Constitutionals Podcast. Let me get the ball rolling. Oh, my God. I might sound like I'm out of breath. Uh, it's because I am. <laughs> I ran all half a foot to the camera to, to make sure that it is indeed running. And uh, I pray to God it is. I had to poop out some other behind-the-scenes stuff. I had to poop out uh, news time this week. Uh, it was already planned. It was planned about two weeks ago, and I just didn't feel like writing the script. And now it's written. <laughs> yeah, it's been shot and edited all in the same day. Uh, it was written yesterday. So <laughs> there you go. Hey, let's get right into it. Let's get right into this. I can't hear myself. I need a DAC. I need a separate DAC so I can hear myself. And that's the DAC is a, it's audio terms. It's a device. It you can turn up the the volume of the headphones, and it cleans up the the thing. Excuse me, <laughs> fell asleep. Any users, let's get right into it. The first things first. This is a story that came out late last week, I believe. Yes, February nineteenth. And the Amber Ruffin show gets an NBC slot replacing Late Night with Lee Sing repeats. So Amber Ruffin, writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers, who just, he and uh, Mike Shoemaker's uh, uh, production company just reached an overall deal with NBC. And Seth is going to be hosting Late Night well into 2025. And uh, my response to that was, oh, I guess I won't be hosting anytime soon. <laughs> so <laughs> that, was a, that was a legit thing I said. Huh. Uh, if you don't know, Seth is definitely probably my second favorite late night host, right after Conan, of course. And uh, anyway, so so Amber Ruffin is a writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She got her own show on Peacock. She's still a writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers, but she got her own show on Peacock um, called The Amber Ruffin Show. Great show, runs weekly. They shoot on Fridays, air on Fridays at 9 p.m., I think, on Peacock. So, Lily Singh, she took over Carson Daly, Daly's 1 a.m. slot. He's not hosting the show, but her show runs four nights a week like Seth's show does. So, the smart thing to do would be to take this this basically free show on Peacock that you have and to air it and to get more viewers. The the You know, anything, anything helps because especially because I don't think NBC, um, Fox, and ABC – and I, and I don't think CBS, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> that could be the title of this show. Don't quote me on that. Uh, might change it to that. <laughs> but I don't think that they do live plus three day ratings anymore. I don't, and I don't, I don't think that uh, they definitely don't do same day ratings uh, anymore. So uh, I think the for the Nielsen ratings. So I don't think any of that really matters. Um, so great. Amber Ruffin's late night show gets that gets some Friday night slots. The first one will be in March, I believe, or this week. It's either tonight, the day this is recorded. Yep, Friday, February twenty sixth, and March fifth. She gets that one thirty a.m. slot. Okay, moving on. This next one comes from Variety, written by Jim Oswad. Uh, Spotify to launch Hi Fi option later this year. Paid out five billion dollars in royalties to in twenty twenty. Now uh, I don't care about the hi fi option. I do care about the royalty part because royalties are very important. Uh, in the in the eighties and nineties, they were untethered, 
untethered, untethered, untethered. Uh, we have an audience. My cat is watching me. It is currently 4.36. She eats at 6 o'clock. She's waiting by her bowl right now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so royalties used to be these wild, wild, crazy things. You can make so much money for making one song. I believe the gentleman or the, the band that did um, Spirit in the Sky, because I think that song is about God. Uh, they they they're best known for that song, and they've made bank off of that. Don't quote me on that, <laughs> but they've made like a killing off of that, and that song's from the seventies. Um, so right around the late nineties, early two thousands, these things get a lot more tough and strict, uh, more so for the artists because the companies want more money, and that's why people like Travis Scott or or uh, Nicki Minaj they try to bundle in their CDs with merchandise sales so that they can count their CD sales uh, for the total gross, you know, and make uh, more money than they would streaming or, you know, not to anything that's not involving touring, which is where they make their bank touring and merchandise, obviously. So now we get to the spot where they have, where they talk about these royalties, obviously uh, Spotify in the past was, was not paying out royalties uh, or not paying out enough. Again, streaming, it does not help your artist at all, like at all. You have to listen to um, an, a song a thousand times before it pays out like a penny or something like that. I've done episodes of News Time on this. I can't think of the numbers right now, but go check them out regardless. So <laughs> Spotify and their Stream On presentation this week talked about these new num- these numbers. Okay. CEO and co-founder Daniel Eck also said the company paid over $5 billion in 2020 and Chief Content Officer Don Ostroff announced that over the last four years, the number of recording artists who catalog generated more than $1 million a year across recording and publishing is up over 82% to more than 800 artists and the number generated uh, more than $100,000 a year is up a year, uh, well, excuse me, and the number generating more than $100,000 a year is up 79%, more than 7,500. I don't understand that. Uh, let's go out to this. Oh, that's it. Okay, no, no, here we go. Total revenue for the recording industry in 2008 was $17 billion, dipped to $14 billion in 2014. But in 2019, thanks to streaming, it rose up to $20 billion. Spotify paid out $5 billion of those royalties in 2020. Uh, this guy is like defending. Okay, there's really no no percentages or numbers here because they're providing their own numbers. Uh, what they're really just saying is that hey, we we're doing better when it comes to providing royalties. Uh, I think the interesting, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's more music. <laughs> That's not an excuse not to pay royalties or to, like to brag like, hey, we're paying out royalties. There's more music. Uh, but you know it. You know, in this in the same vein, though, uh, I I wonder. Spotify is the first tech unicorn to um, break even and and you know make money because they were in the green a couple of months ago. I w- I don't I don't exactly remember when. I, I know last year at some point they were in the green because they're the first one to make money, and I don't know if they're still losing. I don't know if they've gotten to a point again where they're losing money. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're failing. It just means that they are paying out more than they have. Netflix um, does that 
who else? I can't think of anybody else but Netflix because <laughs> it's like the biggest thing. Uh, so I wonder if this is sustainable for them. But they are the biggest streaming platform. So I, I mean, it, it, w- it would, everybody uses them and uh, I would love to use them. <laughs> but YouTube music just <sighs> for YouTube. So yeah, just, I just hope this is sustainable for them uh, so they can continue paying artists because uh, nobody likes, nobody likes not getting paid. <laughs> hey, look at me. I have a job and uh, this is what I do all day. <laughs> read articles about uh, entertainment business news moving on you know what hold on i want i want to switch these around speaking of streaming no i can knock this out in the next four minutes this comes from variety gene gene mattis disney is keeping 80 percent of its streaming revenue by calling it home video so a long 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 time ago disney ruled the vhs sector and uh vhs's used to cost so much more than what Blu-rays and DVDs cost today. And you used to watch the mess out of a VHS. Uh, and if you had a Disney VHS, you were sitting pretty because they used to have this thing called the vault. Obviously, and if you know this, then you, I mean, everyone knows this. They used to have the thing called the vault. I can hear the beeping from the dumpster. Uh, not dumpster. The, tr- the trash chute? I, I mean, it's outside. The, the giant trash chute dumpster. That is uh, four floors down, and <laughs> this is getting way too specific, and about 200 feet that way <laughs> in my apartment complex. It's crazy how loud that beeping is. But it's better that, better, better that than the, uh, the traffic from Highland on the other side of the complex. So anyway, uh, very specific where I live. So the vault, they used to take the, the movies and uh, mostly the movies in the VHS format uh, and then soon to be DVD format and Blu-ray format. Even the Blu-ray format. They used to take the, before Disney Plus, they used to take all of their stuff and put it behind a vault and then take it out from the vault and then, you know, uh, for a limited time. You can have the diamond edition of the of uh, the Lion King and, it'll, and it has all the special features. It's more special features than the release that came out three years prior than that. And the release that came out four years prior to that, and the release that came out in the VHS. Uh, so and so obviously with um, the release of Disney Plus, the vault was no more. Thank God. So now Disney needs a way to make more money uh, with the streaming thing, and this is this is part of the reason why uh, I can see them have why they left uh, Netflix and made their own thing. Okay. Uh, so now Disney is revealed that Disney has been keeping 80% of the revenue from older shows that it distributes to streaming platforms, leaving 20% for the stars and the everyone else to profit stars. You know, the people, the producers who are still making money top of the line, I guess top of the line. Shut up. Uh, it's because it's classifying the revenue as home video under a formula dating from the introduction of the VCR. Disney subtracts an 80% royalty to its in-house distributor to cover the cost of distribution. In 2017, Bill Nye, star of Bill Nye's Science Guy, challenged the practice, calling it yet another example of Hollywood accounting. He's did a lawsuit, uh, said that Disney were making uh, millions of dollars without justification. The judge sided with Disney. 
Judge David Cowan ruled that Nye's 1993 contract allows the studio to continue to classify streaming and download revenue as home video and to continue to take the 80% royalty. Nye's attorney, Raymond Hamrick, said that he would appeal. I, and I, it's one of the few cases where I agree with uh, Bill Nye because, you know, that science stuff, I'm, I'm not a fan. <laughs> no, no, but Bill Bill is is correct Um and 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 challenging this, even for you know, even you know, he's technically defending Amazon and and Netflix and other streamers. Uh, D- Disney, you know, everybody thinks they're such a such a, a such a non company company. You know, they're still they're a non corporate company. They're still they're still as ruthless and cutthroat as Apple and as uh, Facebook and the rest um, and the rest. <laughs> Can never say that without thinking of <laughs> the Gilligan's Island theme song. Uh, the first season, excuse me, rather of that, but and, and you know, I mean, and it all it all boils down to no matter what I say, is this fair? Uh, and no, it's not because it, you know, it's it's like it's still it's 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 the it's the corporation taking the bigger cut that it should not be allowed to take. Um, and you know, you can say, oh, read the contract, read the contract, but that was you know. Not everybody, I mean, everybody was, the Jerky Boys had a movie in the 90s, or in the in 90s, 90s. But, you know, not everybody's getting a deal. Uh, and when you're ready to make the show or the movie, then you sign and, and you basically sign away your rights. Um, or you or you can't talk them out of that kind of clause. Uh, now, I it's I would wonder, you know, if if Netflix is, is pulling the same thing when it sells, uh, BoJack Horseman to Comedy Central to air that, or uh, if if NBC is Universal is doing the same thing when it says, "Hey, you can have The Office repeats Comedy Central again," <laughs> or Cozy TV has Office repeats, because um, it's it's technically not syndication; it's like a richer form of that. Um, and it's and if and you know by the way, if it's working, you know from 1993, it feels future proof. So I, I wonder if there's a loophole for the for anybody else or for some for somebody to work around that uh, or to get that out of their contract for something that's 28 years ago at this point. Uh, I I don't know. I have I don't have the answer, so please stop asking. Listen, we're gonna take a break, <laughs> and we come back. We're going to talk about some more stuff. Here we go. Going to break right now. And we are back from break. The first time I'm sitting down in the chair, got my headphones on, ready to come back. I am messing with the microphone as we speak. Trying to make sure that it is clipped onto the desk. It is clipped onto the desk or clamped on. I, I I knocked out three stories. Three stories. See, yes, I did just get done finishing uh, finishing news time. Because it's hard <laughs> to be driven when you don't have a job and you're just like <laughs> waiting. Yeah, you're just like applying to stuff all week long. I will tell you that. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting here, you know, applying to jobs for a couple hours and then it hits noon. (laughs) And at this point I'm standing up from the desk. I'm like pacing around like the past two days. It's just been me like standing up, pacing around, listening to whatever is on Sirius XM. It just, (laughs) 
you know, just <laughs> 88 Rising, I'm a huge fan of right now, that channel. Uh, or I found some uh, salsa playlists on YouTube music. So that's what I've just been jamming at to, 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 to take my mind off of everything. And also, hanging out with Nova whenever she wants to hang out. <laughs> She's a cat. She's going around to different places. I had the uh, patio door open last night because it was... What the heck was that closing sound? It was uh, inexplicably hot. And I, you know what I'm saying? It's climate. We're dealing with climate change right now. And people are like, oh, it's so beautiful outside. Oh, it's nice and warm. Oh, I'm sick of the cold. It's 77 degrees in February. Come on. Stop it. Put on a mask, you perv. Perv. You perv. Put on a mask, you perv. Uh, anyway, so anyway, I had the patio door open. She went outside on the patio. Uh, she's very trepidatious about going out there. Very scared, very skittish about all that. Uh, and, and she like sits out there and watches birds and stuff. I'm thinking about getting chicken wire and putting it on the, um, the fence that's out there. Cause, uh, I don't want her to do anything, but she's very so far cautious. So that's good. Cause sometimes, sometimes. I'll, you know, I come home from the gym and I'll, and I'll make us both breakfast. We eat together. Uh, and, uh, and then like, I'll go take a shower and she'll be sitting on, I have this, the, the futon is still here. So the, it's catacorner to the couch. So I have it. I, so she, it's up against the windows. And so she sits on the ledge and she watches outside a window, outside the patio window. And just sometimes there's birds out there tweeting and they're sitting on the roof and stuff. And she can see them from her spot. And, uh, sometimes she like reacts and she starts, you know, like trying to, you know, get at them. Sometimes she just sits there peacefully, peacefully and watches them. Uh, and I'm just afraid of what she might do if the door is open <laughs> and she goes outside and they're out there. Anyway, three minutes. Let's get on. Three minutes of just me talking. This next one comes from the rap talking about New York Times written by Lindsay Ellison. Ellison. I think it's the second time I've done that. New York Times releases uncomfortable diversity report. We cannot accept this. Uncomfortable. We cannot accept this. We're in quotes. The New York Times on Wednesday released a re- the results of an eight-month investigation into its workplace culture and diversity. It announced a four-point plan to, quote, transform our culture to address shortcomings. The study, headed by editors Amber Guild, Carolyn Ryan, and Anand Vincatson found that Asian American women on staff reported feeling invisible while black and Latino staffers are underrepresented in leadership. We cannot accept this, they said. In addition, Times publisher A.G. Salzberger, (laughs) CEO Meredith uh, Kopit Levin, and uh, executive editor Dean Beckwith, who's still there for some reason, (laughs) promised a, quote, bold plan for building a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive New York Times, one that reflects our unchanging mission, our growing business ambitions, and our aspirations for the kind of company we intend to be. So now, there is, uh, there's 400 staffers across the divisions in New York Times. Uh, they found that people of color not only were underrepresented in the paper, but also subjected to unfair treatment. So wh- what, what's interesting, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the New York Times. I pay them, currently paying them uh, money to read their paper, to play their crossword. I'm paying, yeah, I'm paying for the radio version. And yes, I have no job still. <laughs> and 
And uh, and you know, speaking of jobs, I've been apply. I applied to two New York Times positions, and uh, I one of them I, I was rejected for yesterday, par for the course. But you know that that gets me thinking. There is not that much diversity, if any, at at the New York Times. Um, you know, I could probably. I'm not going to say count them on one hand, but. Whenever I same thing at Atlantic, whenever I see, you know, someone brown or a, a cultural sounding name, right? I just I rolled my eyes because I because I felt like that was the easiest thing to say. Um, a name that's not like, you know, John Smith or uh, Jesse Smith, <laughs> those, those darn Smiths. <laughs> whenever I see, you know, names that are outside the norm or writers outside the norm, I always think. Wow, this is like it's it's always a big event, especially at the Atlantic. It's always a big event for me because I go, whoa! The camera turned off. I was I go, whoa! This uh, like look at that. That's a that's a big thing. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause the podcast and then I'll be right back. All right, you don't even know that I, you didn't even know that I left. I didn't even tell you that I paused it, and I am making sure that it is recording this time. So anyway. Uh, and, 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 you know, and it shouldn't be an event whenever someone Brown writes, uh, something or does something for the post or the New York times or, you know, any of these big publications. And, and, but now sadly we are in a place where that is the case. So the New York times, you know, yeah, you can, you can do this internal investigation and call yourself out, but in the end, and this is what I get into in this week's episode of News Time, which is about uh, black people and overall uh, people of color and women in tech, in the tech world, in Silicon Valley, what are you going to do? Like, Are you actually going to enact on these promises of saying, hey, we need to do something? Because in News Time, you'll find out that Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, and Google uh, all said in 2014, they all did the, they all did the, self, the self-diagnosed thing and said, Man, we we are not doing well at all with this diversity thing. We're gonna do something about it. And then five years later, in 2019, uh, thanks to the People of Color and Tech report, it is found out that they did nothing. In fact, Facebook lost people of color. Um, and and another thing is it's retention. The the another problem is retention. It's about the New York Times. Uh, giving giving people of color, in particular, a voice because that's one of the issues that you feel underrepresented for people uh, for black people or Latino people uh, or Asian people for uh, and and the rest <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> uh, you give them a voice so that they are able to 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 be heard on the editorial side, be heard on the managerial side. The sen- like ha- let them have seniority. Let them be. Uh, have just as much power as you know other as other their white contemporaries did. Uh, the white coworkers that now work there do. Uh, it's just insane that we're still sitting like this, still working like this. It's stupid. The Times committed to increasing percentage of Black and Latino employees in leadership roles by fifty percent by the end of twenty twenty five and create a diversity equity. And inclusion office and its human resources department. Listen, <laughs> I'm gonna say this again. Freaking hire me. <laughs> like I'm free. I got. I got. I'm really good at what I do. Uh, let's just do it, baby. Uh, but but seriously, it does take. You know, whenever you do, whenever you apply to a job and they ask, uh, "What race are you? What you know? What's your sex?" I, I always feel that 
you know, I mean, it may be for a good reason, but I always feel that, uh, that that never helps out in the long run. <laughs> you know, if I say black male, they're going to go, I don't think I want to hire him. Uh, so if I'd said, you know, uh, white guy, I think they would, you know, or white woman, they would go, hmm, seems pretty good. <laughs> this Chad person. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I mean, let, let's get a move on. Let's, 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 let's push these things. Let's actually do stuff. Because then you, because that, I mean, because if you don't, that's when you have things like, and they mentioned at the bottom of this article, uh, Ms. Ellison does, um, uh, the Tom Cotton piece that came out in the summer that said, it was called Sending the Troops, where the, uh, where that Senator Tom Cotton, that racist butthole, <laughs> said uh, that they should send in the military because of the Black Lives Matter protests uh, and, you know, people should be arrested and stuff. Uh Whereas he was virtually quiet for what happened on January 6th at the Capitol. Jesus. I mean, it's just frustrating. And then James Bennett left the paper because of that stuff. Because, because, because he, he let this, this Tom Cotton thing go through. I remember the day that happened too. It was crazy because I saw that it was in the top piece, like a featured piece in the opinion said side, and I clicked on it. And I just went, "What the hell is this?" And then, uh, you know, I just sometimes they, sometimes they publish stuff that's a little bit more conservative, and I and I just thought nothing of it. And then, you know, the next day people were pissed, <laughs> and I went, "Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense." <laughs> All right, let's move on. Hire me, New York Times. I'm not doing anything. You guys could use uh, younger people. You know what? And yes, I know I've said, uh, oh God, what is her name? Taylor, uh, Taylor, what's her name? <laughs> I know I said I have a crush on her. Um, oh God, I forgot her name. It doesn't It doesn't even matter because it, it truly, Taylor Lorenz, I follow her on Instagram. Taylor Lorenz, I, I know I said I like Taylor Lorenz. I have a huge crush on her and she's cute. Uh, and stuff, but listen, baby, I'm not gonna hit on her. You know, we'll be coworkers. We'll just let things happen naturally. <laughs> okay, let's go. Uh, speaking of New York Times, this comes from them. The Reply All podcast is paused after accusations of toxic culture. Written by Katie Robertson and Jenny Gross. Okay, Reply All is a podcast owned by Gimlet, uh, produced by Gimlet, and then now owned by Spotify. So, Reply All. Had a two-minute statement released uh, on the Reply All feed called or a message from Reply All staff by co-host Alex Goldman, uh, who told listeners that the senior reporter, uh, Surithi Penamenamini, and the co-host PJ Voigt, Vogt had decided to leave the podcast. Last week, former colleagues accused them of rallying against a union effort that many employees of color saw as, unnecessar- as necessary for increasing diversity and creating a more equal workplace. So we get in, we get into the details of this. We find that the, the accusations are true and that they were actually creating uh, a toxic work environment. Uh, because they'd created their own version of what uh, what their show they had a second they had a show called Test Kitchen. Uh, they had created their own version of, that was about the Bon Appetit thing. Uh, whatever happened to that in the summer? Then uh, they had they created their own version of that. Um, and it, I mean <laughs> you know it, it does happen both ways. Uh, this is 
this is, uh, you know, I mean, sadly, this 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 happened to you know. Oh, I mean, I I mean, it's good that this happened, uh, but sadly, this happened to uh, 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 a company that has been you know pretty much out of the out of the way. Um, but now that we have this out in the air, uh, maybe this union effort for diversification can be pushed forward uh, in a manner that is more. Uh, that can help that can help out more people reply all is going to be uh not happening for a little bit uh the show started in 2014 they adapted it from a from tldr from the wnyc radio show episodes in recent years have taken listeners inside phone scam rings in india and on a journey to track down a song that a director heard on the radio as a teenager i think i listened to that episode because I think I've never heard of this show until that part, that episode. Mr. Eddings and other former give, uh, sorry, other former Gimlet employees, because I didn't specify who this Eddings guy was, uh, said that Mr. Vote and Ms. Pina Menini, yeah, there we go, vigorously opposed efforts to unionize, which employees of color saw as the only way to create an environment where they could succeed and that the pair were dis- dismissive of efforts to vers- diversify the staff. In one instance, according to one staffer, Mr. Vote sent disparaging test messages to a Gimlet employee who was involved in a unionization effort that left the employee in tears. So I think, and I'm not defending them, but I think what they were trying to do, uh, the, the, the people who left Pinamini and, uh, and vote we're trying to uh the i think the upper echelon gets in trouble when people try to unionize um because unions create trouble for companies uh look at the police unions but then uh, on the other hand they're really good for protecting the employees uh from they're giving them rights uh such as this diversity union that was trying to be started in uh, gimlet <laughs> you know I feel for these workers. I I truly understand where they're coming from, and you know maybe this can be used as a resetting tool, uh, and and you know for Spotify uh, and Gimlet as a whole in the ringer uh, to all look within themselves and see is there any more of this stuff that we can flush out because it does not need to exist. We are in a world in a pantheon, a place where this stuff just it just shouldn't be. Like we sh- we shouldn't be fighting about this still, um, and and now that we have, now that we're more open, you know, say what you will about the whole cancellation stuff, but now that we're more open about talking about this, uh, and and putting the people on who are in trouble on blast, uh, I mean, th- not doxing them and saying kill yourself and all that stuff, but putting them on blast, uh, just laugh at suicide, <laughs> then. That's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward because otherwise we're no better. You know, these companies are no better than, than how we, I don't know. They're no better than what they think they are. And then what we think they are. Look at Disney. The camera shut off again. <laughs> okay. Listen, I gotta go. <laughs> this camera is giving me trouble. If you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com where you can, See interviews with their favorite comedians from last year because there's nothing that's happening so far this year. If you want to see a video version of the show, head to youtube.com slash comedy. I'm scratching my mustache and my nose. 
if that if that's the noise you like hearing. <laughs> YouTube.com slash equals comedy where you can see a video version of this show where I'm sitting down. Uh, I just adjusted the gain mic because it was too low. Where I'm sitting down talking. Sometimes the camera works, sometimes it does not. It's all right. It's fine. There's worse things out in the world. Also on that, youtube.com slash people's comedy is our video premiere show. Premier news premiere, premiere news magazine show. News time. It's like the daily show, except way less funny. Take one story, examine it. Uh, this week is the conclusion of Black History Month. I talk about uh, black people and uh, people of color and women in tech, in big tech, like Silicon Valley. Uh, guess what? It still sucks. <laughs> I think someone's vacuuming the concrete floors outside. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you could uh, <laughs> also, I want to, I'm laughing so hard. You can also, uh, what else is going on this week? News time. Uh, okay, that's it. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at C Plus Comedy. All of that. Me, at Chad Black White. Thank you. Rate, review, subscribe. I appreciate you. You're the best. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>